0: You're listening to Liberty Buzzard with Dustin Hammett and Thomas Umstead, Jr. Episode 43. I'm Dustin Hammett. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr. Welcome to Liberty Buzzard, the podcast for inquisitive minds. Today, we are going
1: to discuss the resurgence of private employee unions or not, depending on your perspective. My perspective is that uh, we are going to see a resurgence of private employee unions. Unions, not necessarily because I'm a fan of it. I just think the economic conditions are going to bear it out. Uh, The reason I uh, started thinking about this, I saw an article in... uh, I can't remember what the original article was, but uh, the article we're going to link to in the show notes is from TechCrunch, and it's about a group of workers at Whole Foods Market leading an effort to establish a union for the Amazon-owned company. So that's the big deal here. We have Amazon and Jeff Bezos, the king of the world, And they own Whole Foods, uh, which, uh, as most of you probably know, Whole Foods used to be an independent company. It was uh, pretty popular, at least at first, for treating its employees very well. And then Amazon bought it. And they are the evil empire, depending, once again, on your perspective. And so now all of these employees are seeking to unionize. Uh, They wrote a big letter. Uh, there is a cross-regional committee, and they wrote that they are, quote, concerned about the direction of Whole Foods in an Amazon era. So not necessarily just because a uh, one company is bought out and they're concerned about their continued treatment, they being employees. I think that we're going to see a resurgence of private employee unions because of the wage stagnation. Um. If that continues, I'm going to make an if-then statement. If that continues, then I believe we will see a resurgence in private employee unions. That uh, that was the an- or the antidote back in the uh, Iron Age, late 1800s, early 1900s was the unionization, which did a pretty effective job at raising wages for your uh, for your for. What's the best way to say this for your regular average worker? Of course, back then it was your steel workers, your iron workers, your your tradesmen. So um, if this wage stagnation continues, Thomas, I think we're going to see a resurgence. Thomas, I believe you disagree. What do you think?
0: Yeah. So a couple of points. One, the heyday of unions back 100 years ago, while they did accomplish wage increases, that wasn't their primary motivating force, and that wasn't their primary mission. Uh, it's really hard to fight against scabs, you know, which are people who break unions. You know, There's unions on strike because they want higher pay, and other people who are willing to work for that pay are walking past them. That alone is not very powerful. What they were really negotiating for was better working conditions. When you're working seven days a week, 12 hours a day, and every week someone is dying in your factory, you are really motivated to form a union, you're really motivated to strike, and it's harder to get scabs or union breakers to cross the line to walk into a factory where they are then going to work for 12 hours a day and somebody is going to die every week. And so I feel like once you take that safety element out, it's a lot harder to motivate A union, And I feel like the threat of a union is enough to get the wage to go up because, as you know, Amazon just this week announced that they are raising the minimum wage for all Amazon employees, including Whole Foods employees, to $15 an hour. So if you thought Whole Foods was expensive before, Whole Foods is about to get (laughs) more expensive. And I think this is the fundamental problem with uh, minimum wage is that uh, it makes people are uncompetitive, makes regions uncompetitive, it makes countries uncompetitive because of this global trade. The more expensive you make your workers, the more work is going to leave. And when we raise the minimum wage nationally, what happens? Recession. So we raised the minimum wage in 2007. And what happened? We had an epic recession. It was really bad. And I believe that those are connected. I know that no one makes that noise because it's not uh, politically popular to connect the minimum wage increase with recession. But it incentivizes um, businesses to replace human workers either with Cheaper humans somewhere else, or with robots. So, in states that raise the minimum wage for, uh, you know, restaurants, you see lots of automation. Where suddenly you're getting your own soda, and you're you know punching buttons and placing the order yourself, right? So instead, what they effectively are forced to do is they end up firing that person who would have taken your order, who would have had a job at ten dollars an hour. They're not worth. $15 an hour, it's not worth paying them $15 an hour when you can replace them with a kiosk that does that same work uh, for less. And the more expensive you make humans, the more attractive you make robots. And I think this is a really scary thing because low wage jobs are the most vulnerable jobs to be replaced by robots. By automation of one kind or another. The more complicated a job is, the more difficult a job is, the more judgment a job requires. Things that tend to be correlated with uh, the, you know, expensiveness of finding a human to do that job. Uh, the harder it is to replace a robot. If a human has to go to four years of college to do a job or eight years of college to do a job. It's a lot harder to train a robot to do that job than if you can train a human to do it in a week. You can probably train an AI to do it after six months, especially with machine learning and neural nets and all of that. So um, I, I feel like this people will try to unionize, but I think that the state of the world now with global trade just makes it so hard because the union busters are now not having to walk past the picket line. They're walking from the unemployment line in Bangladesh into a job that they're very happy to take for worse working conditions and for lower money. Or the robots, you know, they have no morals. They're programmed to bust the unions. And I just don't see the power working like it did 100 years ago.
1: I don't necessarily disagree with you that it's going to be just like 100 years ago. However, uh, just like the uh, the famous Mark Twain quote, I believe it was Mark Twain, said that uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. So, yeah, it's not going to be necessarily like the Teamsters that we saw back in the early part of the 20th century. Um, or, But I think that there will be a resurgence somewhat of a collectivization front. Um and that, based on that if-then statement that I put out there, so I, I perfectly concede that if wages rise, uh, commensurate with the uh, with commensurate with how the economy is doing, I think that uh, it probably will be a moot point. What do you think, Thomas? Because I thought a lot about this. What do you think, Thomas, is the cause of the wage stagnation that uh, we currently see in the economy?
0: Well, part of the wage stagnation is coming from the fact that we haven't had any big productivity boosts. Um, So the last 60 years, basically ever since World War II, each decade has seen huge increases to productivity, technologies that have really changed how productive people are, whether it was putting a phone on their desk that was capable of calling any other phone number in the world, to being able to hop on a plane and within a day be anywhere in the world, uh, to being able to send a fax anywhere in the world, to having spreadsheets like the invention of Microsoft Excel and other spreadsheet uh, applications in the late 80s, early 90s as they started to take off, uh, had a huge impact on productivity. And and being able to fly around the world is a huge impact on productivity. And if you think about the technologies that we've had in the last 10 years, We've had social media, and we've had mobile phones. So if you're an office worker, does having a mobile phone make you more productive or less productive? I would argue for many office workers, it actually makes them less productive. They are f- swinging angry birds around and hiding in the bathroom on Twitter, and it's actually reducing their productivity, and at best, it's having a neutral impact, so they're you know, you're able to take work with you. But the other downside of that mobile phone is that you take work home with you, which studies show... When you don't rest, you're not as productive. So it's actually reducing your overall productivity. There's this expectation that you're always available and you can never go on vacation. And that hurts your productivity. And social media being this big distraction hurts your productivity productivity in the sense of you're spending time on social media, but not just that social media makes you sad and depressed, which makes you less productive. And so technology, which in general has been this marching force of, you know, productivity. And if man, if uh, I, you know, somebody carving widgets was able to make one widget a day, but on Henry Ford's assembly line, they can make a hundred widgets a day. So we can pay them 10 times more. And we still make 10 times more money. Everybody wins, right? Like that trend seems to be stopping and technology is not making people more productive like it used to. It's making some people more productive here and there, but in general, the way that it's making people productive is by replacing those people altogether, where suddenly this job is done by uh No one at all, right? You go to the self-checkout line and you check yourself out of the grocery store instead of having the cashier check you out. The the cashier has been replaced with a checkout robot. Uh, You don't think of it as a robot because it doesn't have a face, but it's the same effective result. So I I think that that's a big part of the wage stagnation is that um, people aren't gaining in productivity.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll have to dwell on that. I mean, I guess the the question is, has technology... Made humans more productive, and let me see. I'm going to repeat your point back to you just to make sure I'm digesting it correctly. So, what you're saying is that the technology that we've experienced, because um, you you mentioned Excel and 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 the, basically the the, res, the 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 not the resurgence but the uh, the insurgence, I guess you could say, of the personal computer into the workplace, where we each have our own productivity machines, our each own personal computers where we have Excel and all these uh, great applications. Since then, what you're saying is that humans have not become that much more productive, per se. I mean, I I guess I could buy that. Um, But I just don't see... I guess from a social perspective, we discussed this before, I'm trying to figure out how are we going to um, assign these scarce resources, you know the, the, the basis of economics? How are we going to assign these scarce resources across society uh, when our wages are stagnant and you know we get we're gonna have people that are essentially angry that they're not getting their piece of the pie? and that I think that just kind of reinforces my point that they're eventually going to say you know we're getting replaced by computers. This is bullcrap uh, and we're going to make a stand, um, you know, whether that is going to have the force of law says all of a sudden it becomes more of a pack, less of a union. And now we have some uh, type of situation where you know the state of California is dictating that you have to have at least 5 humans if you're a company that has more than a million dollars a year. So that's guess what I'm talking about is a resurgence of private employee unions. Maybe it doesn't happen in the way that we think it's going to happen, but maybe it happens in a way that we haven't anticipated yet, but I still think that the collectivization of people is going to happen and I think it's it, I think it's Based on history, I think it's one of those things that is going to happen when you have people that are dissatisfied with how much money they're earning.
0: So I have a McKinsey company report here in front of me uh, because I knew there was some numbers on this and it's got productivity growth numbers. And productivity growth, if I'm um, interpreting this chart correctly, bounces between 15% and 25%. um, no, it's accelerating sectors. It bounces between 10, uh, 15 accelerating sectors and 25 accelerating sectors. And then in 2010, across all of these different metrics, it basically falls off a cliff. <laughs> it was like, what happens in 2010? The App Store happens in 2010. iPhones suddenly are in all of the hands in 2010. And since then, productivity growth has just been really low. And I think that this is kind of the dark side of mobile devices. We don't realize how much time we're spending on these mobile devices as a society and as individuals. And, and the companies are starting to uh, acknowledge this, right? The latest version of OS 10 for the iPhone will give you a report on how much time you're spending on your phone. And I bet you. Dear listener, that if you were to look at this report on your phone right now, you would be shocked, shocked at how much time you're spending on your phone. You're like, I could, there's no way I'm spending two hours on my phone every day. That there's no possible way. And yet, those two hours are being pulled away from all of your other productivity or more productive uses of your time. And that is. Ultimately, not just affecting you, it's doing it to everyone because even homeless people now have smartphones in some parts of the country, and everyone else in between, you and a homeless person, have a smartphone. And if it's pulling an hour out of every American's pocket, making them that much less productive, that is a huge impact on the economy. And sure, People may say, well, my wages were stagnant 100 years ago, or my great-grandfather's wages were stagnant. What did he do to fix it? He formed a labor union, and that was the solution. And I don't disagree that we may try labor unions again as a, as a solution, but they're not the solution for this problem, if the problem is indeed the smartphone, a labor union is not going to solve the smartphone because what are people going to be doing on their picket lines? They're going to be on their smartphones. (laughs) They're going to be taking photos of each other and live streaming it. There's no uh, getting away from it that way. And this impact of social media, it's a lot like the saloons were in the West in the 1800s. The evil of the saloons and why there were so many women trying to ban alcohol altogether wasn't because of the effect of the alcohol itself. It was the effect of the saloon culture on the ground. Greater culture, and the fact that the gathering place, the place for social interaction, shifted from the churches to the saloons. And that was a shift that women, predominantly, but some men, but it was the Women's Temperance League that was leading this, really found to be. scary and they banned and it's so scary that they were able to get the country to ban alcohol altogether and close all of the saloons so the, and the saloons are not back to this day bars do not have the cultural touchstone that they used to when you come into a town you don't visit the saloon first off to get the news, right? The the society has shifted forward. And uh, we don't know what the solutions are yet to the social media impact, but it's more than just a fun diversion. I think that it's this dark thing that's affecting our politics. It's affecting our business. It's affecting our religious religion in good ways, but also in bad ways. And we need to acknowledge those bad ways because it is affecting how much money you make. If you were to get rid of all social media, I bet you your wages would increase (laughs) that this impact would not be affecting you if you only made phone calls on your smartphone. Am I doing that? No. So um, it's not like I'm leading the charge on this.
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of a double edged sword, though, because social media, I mean, for business, has been an incredible revolution in the way that we reach out and we interact and we 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 uh, that we interact with each other. So, you know, to say that social media is all bad, I mean your point's taken, Thomas. Yeah, there's there's a lot of bad aspect of social media. As a matter of fact, I I'm pretty sure I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm pretty sure the newest uh Update to the iPhone has an app or has an inherent capability where you can track how much time you're spending on what app, and you can actually limit yourself. So uh, you have a, a, a self limitation there uh, on the iPhone to, to help you with this new drug that is, you know, your handheld device or your device or what have you. So. Yeah, your point's taken there, uh, but yeah, it's the yin and Yang. There's 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 good with the bad, and um, the way that we interact with each other has been revolutionized and forever changed. And you know, as a marketer yourself, I think you have to recognize how incredibly useful um, social media has become for the small business person. Whereas before, it was a lot more difficult for, you know, an individual to have their own commercial and be able to put it out there uh, for everybody to see now, you know, heck for my, my, my business, uh, I made two yesterday, myself, uh, where I I narrated them and I created them myself and I'm going to throw them on Twitter. I'm going to throw them on Facebook when I'm ready. I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to get me some business. So, you know, it's bad, but in terms of, you know, productivity as a small business person, as a new small business person, I got to tell you, it's it's the, the technology for me has been phenomenal. It is the technology has allowed me um, to, the, it's been a leverage of what I can do. Whereas before, you know, I had to hire a bookkeeper. I had to do this. I had to do that. I had to do the other. Now it's it's all outsourced, you know, uh, for my new logo. I went on Fiverr and I paid some guy in India $40 to to create me a new logo. It looks great. It happened in two days. You know, you couldn't do that 20, 30 years ago unless you knew a cartoonist, which I don't.
0: But but again, let's say the logo designers don't like the fact that you're only paying $40 for a logo and they form a union. That doesn't keep you from going on Fiverr and hiring some guy in India. And not only is it only $40, here's the other thing. You don't have to pay social security taxes for his time, you don't have to pay Medicare taxes for his time, you don't have to pay your share of the income taxes for his time. So even if the American logo designer was the same $40, if you hired that person as an employee, they would be 20, 25% more expensive for you, uh, 15% more expensive for you than the Indian guy because of all the different taxes. And oh, it's not just the taxes, but you also have to account for all of that. So you have to file you know, four or five different pieces of reporting to the government of like, I hired this person, here's how much they paid them. You have to do your withholdings and your quarterly reports, none of which you have to do with the guy in India. So not only is he cheaper because of the strength of the dollar and like trade moving abroad, but also like our tax system really discourages you from hiring Americans right now. And I just don't see American workers having the a power to form a union. And you're right. Technology is not universally making us less productive. I mean, the existence of this podcast couldn't have existed 10 years ago. We'd have had to meet in person, which would have cost us two hours of driving, four hours of driving collectively, potentially, and that would have made this podcast, you know, unfeasible in... Just ten years ago, and now we can record it remotely. So there, I'm not saying that technology is universally bad, and I'm not saying that productivity growth has stalled completely. But I'm saying is that for the first time, we have a technology that is negatively impacting our productivity, that is offsetting some of these other things that are positive to productivity.
1: So I guess the way I'll put it, you know, as you're talking and as I'm sitting here, I'm trying to digest this thought that I have. Um, and it's just a thought. I'm just kind of toying with the idea of the future. I'm not saying I'm it one way or the other. I just, uh, you know, it's fun to try to predict the future. Is my prediction, you know, even if it's right, am I a sage? Nah, it's just kind of a fun thing to do. So here's what I was thinking, Thomas, and you're right. You know, the independent contractor movement, I think, is is kind of, it's it's really going to revolutionize. Technology is going to revolutionize the independent contractor movement to where one day... We are all independent contractors because you made the excellent point. Social security, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, uh, workers, workman's compensation, all of those different types of federally mandated uh, social programs and social insurance programs are extremely expensive. They're extremely expensive. And if a company can in any way farm out work so that they don't have to pay that stuff, yeah, they're going to do that. You know, Case in point, for me, when I get to the uh, point of revenue where I need to hire an assistant, am I going to hire an assistant under my LLC? Heck no, I'm going to hire a virtual assistant and somebody else is going to pay for that person's uh, employment taxes. So, yeah, the independent contractor movement, I think it's, it's the wave of the future. And when I started thinking about that, I'm thinking, holy smokes, you know, Maybe it's not an employee union like the Teamsters, but maybe we have a resurgence of trade guilds. And my uh, analogy here for the present day is going to be much like uh, realtors. They don't have a trade guild per se, but they have a very, very powerful uh, political movement through the National Association of Realtors. And then each state has its own association of realtors. For example, here in Texas, we have the Texas Association of Realtors. And Uh, that is a, that is an organization who isn't a guild or a union per se, but I will tell you right now that the amount of money that they collect from each of their members is very powerful. And anytime something goes, uh, that has to do with real estate and how real estate is going to be practiced in the state of Texas or nationally, they are putting immense monetary and political pressure on politicians to make sure that it goes their way. So, yeah, maybe we don't have unions the way that we've traditionally thought, but maybe we have some type of resurgence of trade guilds.
0: I mean, that's a really good point. And I do think that uh, realtors, or realtors, as they're supposed to be pronounced, very much act like an old kind of medieval trade guild. And they are very powerful politically, often to the expense of homeowners. Uh, because they are able to get themselves granted government monopolies and make it illegal to compete with them and the same sorts of things that trade guilds used to do back in the day right like if you weren't a member of the you know mason's guild you couldn't do masonry in medieval paris right you had to be a guild member you had to go through the initiation and become a an apprentice and a journeyman and you know go through all of those steps and in many ways realtors act in that same way and that maybe that is the future Uh, where more people do that and look to the government for protection. The challenge though, is that for a lot of work, one government can't provide suitable protection, right? So like a realtor has an advantage in that they have to be physically present to be your chaperone in the house. But, you know, in a future world where that could be done by drone, right, somebody in India could be a realtor and do all of the research online and send a drone to walk you through the house. You know, this is kind of an extreme example, but that's the sort of thing that is the trend is you're being replaced by or you're competing with rather uh, robots and you're competing with people in other countries who are willing to work for less. And I don't know if, uh, you know. A, a clan of uh, merchants alone is enough unless it's an international guild, right? The International Guild of Graphics Designers <laughs> you become a journeyman graphic designer and then a master graphics designer. I don't know. I, it, we've tried that in the web design world, I, I'll say, and it has failed every time because there's just not enough advantage and and we're too free, freedom-minded <laughs> and too competition-minded uh, to put up with that.
1: Well, I mean, it's true until it's not true anymore, right? I mean, realtors in the uh, historically were very, very independent, and there was no licensure uh, in the early 20th century that needed to practice real estate. And one of the reasons that it became required um, was uh, because there's a lot of hucksters and there's a lot of there was a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, swindling going on. So it required licensure, much like medical doctors eventually required licensure, and. <laughs> You know, even barbers these days and beauticians require licensure. So, you know, as, as I'm going through this process, it's, it's when you're a small business person, you're starting out, it's very frustrating because it's almost like you require licensure to do everything. You know, a licensure to be an electrician, a plumber, this, that, and the other. And Texas is a lot better than a lot of states out there. I mean, there's a lot of states out there where you have to have a license just to walk from your house to your car. It's, it's, it's pretty it's incredible. So to go back to your point as far as drones showing people around, you know that I think that's where you know you have a guild like uh, the National, Associ- National Association of Realtors, uh, or each of the state's uh, association of Realtors, who would be uh, probably applying quite a lot of political pressure to make it against the law to use a drone, and they're going to come up with some good reason, uh, like you know drones uh, cause a fire hazard, or something like that. And therefore, should not be allowed. Um,
0: so, yeah, I'm sorry you can't hear me rolling my eyes uh, on the microphone. Um, but the the excuse, you're exactly right. They'll try to find some excuse, and yeah. it's what Blockbuster should have done. They should have found some regulation to make mailing DVDs through the mail illegal, so that they wouldn't have to compete. with, you know, embrace the future and. I feel like that's just, if your strategy is trying to legally mandate that we do something in an old fashioned, inefficient way, I feel like that is not a winning strategy in the long run. And it's certainly not a winning strategy for society because you're asking society to give you money you're now no longer deserving because you're so inefficient.
1: Well, we're talking about, you know, efficiencies and idealisms in the perfect world. I'm talking about people protecting themselves. And you know what's good in the long run, and what's good for me right now, uh, are a lot of times diametrically opposed. Uh, you know, the United Auto's uh, Union, you know, it was really good for them. United Auto Workers, UAW, whatever it was, it was really good for them to start off with because it raised their wages. It gave them some, uh, uh, what was it, gold-plated health or health insurance, and it was a really, really good deal for them uh, until it. Essentially, caused the United States auto industry to be so uh, uncompetitive that they became bankrupt. So, yeah, I mean, it, were, were the were the United Auto Workers concerned with you know them shooting themselves in the foot by making their own companies uh, essentially unproductive or uh, not unproductive but uh, uncompetitive? No, they didn't care. They wanted theirs. They wanted theirs now, and that's kind of human nature, especially as a collective. So. Yeah, you're right, Thomas. Is it efficient? Is it the best thing uh, in the long run for society and for humanity? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but I don't think that you know these trade guilds, whatever we want to call them for the future, are really concerned with that. I think they're going to be concerned with them getting
0: their piece of the pie. If you want to be a part of the solution... Go start a business doing something that robots can't do right now. That can't be Amen. automated right now. Amen. That, that really, it, you know, a lot of people are whining. It's like, why won't my business that I work for pay me more? Quit let somebody else take that job, create your own job, create competition. You know, you you can fight this wave of technology and the freelance gig economy, or you can surf the wave of the freelance gig economy. And you can start doing freelance podcast production or freelance graphic design. You can start selling your own stuff on Fiverr. You can start selling your own stuff on Elance or Upwork or any of these other places, you know, you don't have to fight it. You can work with it. And for every person who leaves the, you know, um, economy of you know working for a normal job, it creates all of the more demand for workers that are left, which forces them to get paid more, which forces you to get paid more. So not only are you helping yourself when you start your own business potentially, you're also helping everyone else left working in those cubicles or even worse, the open plan office where <laughs> nothing is private <laughs> and nothing is sacred. Uh but anyway, I'm sure we'll talk more about this. This is a trend that is ongoing. We do want to hear your thoughts. Leave us a comment on YouTube, Facebook and at libertybuzzard.com. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., I'm Dustin Hammett and you've been listening to Liberty Buzzard. This episode of Liberty Buzzard is brought to you by Tom Umstadt's CPA. Tom has over 35 years of experience helping people like you pay only their fair share in taxes. Don't let the IRS stress you out. Get Tom and his team on your team at TaxmanTom.com.